Good morning. What's going on? Praise God. And uh, we just praise God for you. We thank you for what he's doing. And we welcome you to our 10 o'clock class. And uh, we've been doing a series called Discipleship Evangelism by Brother Andrew Womack. And I know Don Crow uh, helped him do a lot of that too. So we are in a class uh, that is the Fruit of Salvation Part 1. Now that was the name of the class, but we're going to rename it the Fruit of Salvation Part 1 C, because this is the third week we've been in this lesson, but it's a it's kind of a deep one, and that's how you Jeff started it out, and man, that's how you started out was like this is more than just you know. Uh, I remember you said I had to I had to read through this several times because what it's dealing with is something that scholars actually argue over. So um, we're not going to argue over it. We're just going to explain it by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So um, what it's really talking about is, can you lose your salvation? What is the fruit of that salvation? How do you know that you're born again? How do you know that you're saved? And um, so they were talking about Calvinism and Arminianism and uh, repentance and continued repentance. And uh, before we jump in, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for making all things clear and, Lord, just seeing the truth and everything. And we praise you for it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things to know about this is that the word never contradicts itself. It can appear to, to our fleshly corrupted mind. It can appear to contradict itself, but generally it's because there's pieces of it that we don't understand. There's other por portions in the full counsel of the word that we have missed. But when you start to look at the full counsel of the word, and the more you get into it, and the more the Holy Spirit is there leading you, because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. This is why if somebody's not born again, if they're not moving in the Holy Spirit, this is another place where the Holy Spirit becomes very valuable. If they're not moving in the Holy Spirit, then they're going to miss out on how some of this stuff works because it's spiritually discerned. You've got a book here that's written on physical paper, but it was breathed by the Holy Spirit. So you've got spiritual things in this book, and they are discerned spiritually and spiritually only. So if you go in this book with a physical logic, with a worldly logic, this is not going to make sense. But yet, on the inside of you, something will be churning that you can't explain. And that is the life that's in the words that the Holy Spirit gave us. And that word was made flesh. We know that. His name was Jesus. And that, that's where our life is. Now, so... You know, I could sit up here all day and explain this, but somebody who's operating in worldly logic, they could still be completely confused, which is a great reason to get born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just think you should right now. You know, it's awesome. It's really, really great. But uh, one of the things that I want to talk about is he went over several verses right off the bat that showed, even in John 3.16, uh, it, it says that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth. Now this believeth right there, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So is there a condition here to have eternal life and not perish? To believe. 
But the word there is a present tense, which means to believe at the beginning, but then to continually believe. In other words, don't let go of that belief. All right. So, well, that's very interesting because there's some people that say uh, once saved, always saved. And once you're born again, then uh, that's it. You're done. You're sealed. You're born again. You know, and there's people that believe that way. Uh, but this is saying then why then when we need to keep believing? All right, and this is where once we you know start getting into the text and we find out all of this stuff works together. One of the first things I want to talk about, he talked about most of the scriptures they talked about being present tense were repentance. Okay, so uh, in this age in America, uh, I've had this conversation, and the Lord showed me something just a few minutes ago, which I believe will help me explain this. Uh, I've felt this, I've thought about this actually now for years, and I've had conversations with several people on this, but repentance. What is repentance? So I can tell you growing up, and I would say that most people in America believe this way if they've been in church. Repentance means that I need to get broken, change my heart, and start doing other stuff. And it does mean that. But you got to know in the full counsel of the word how that word is used. Because I would say that there's two different types of repentance in a sense that a Christian goes through in the process of being born again. The first is like this. So a lot of times you remember where John the Baptist would preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repent simply means, repent does not mean to get, you know, in this place of false humility, crying, oh God, I can't do this without you. Uh, that's true, I can't do this without you. But it's not a place of complete brokenness necessarily where you're just, you can't stand, I mean, you just feel so awful. God's not leading you to that place. And yet, there's very much a power in a broken or a contrite heart where there's a humble heart okay there's a power there but what we've done is we have associated that in the wrong place and we've associated something else in the wrong place and that's why i'm going to explain so you have a repentance when john the baptist said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent doesn't mean brokenness when you break the word down actually it doesn't mean that it simply means to turn I'm going this way, and now I need to go the opposite way. It means I, would, I need to turn back, okay? Now, you see that in two places in a Christian's life. Number one is before they're born again. And repent, what John the Baptist was saying was this. He was saying, you have two paths before you. You are going down one path, and you need to go down the other path. In other words, you were going down, and, and essentially in his time, what he was saying is, you think that the Messiah is going to come in with a sword and defeat Rome. You think that the Messiah looks this way, you know, and whatever their stereotype on the Messiah was. He was saying, you got to change your way of thinking. you got to change your way of thinking because that's not how he's coming. The kingdom is now, and now the Messiah is already in the world. John the Baptist uh, started to recognize that and feel that, and he, that's pretty much what he was preaching. The kingdom is now, right? He said the kingdom is at hand. 
And then Jesus constantly was telling them, change your way of thinking. And how many times, even the disciples, after spending all that time with them, over in Acts chapter 1, they tells them about the power of the Holy Spirit coming. They go, is it at this time that you will restore your kingdom? And so what happened? He was still, even after he was uh, crucified and born, uh, risen back up, even then he was having to change their way of thinking to get them to repent in their mind and look at the kingdom differently than what they had been doing. So now, how does that apply to us today? Well, if you've got somebody who's not born again, they've been living life one way, all right? They've been living life in a worldly way, in a corrupted way, and what they need to do is back up and they need to repent, not in, oh God, oh God, brokenness, not in that. They need to repent and say, this is not the way, Jesus is the way, okay? So what we've done, the other side of repentance is once we are born again, we find this place of humility and broken, uh, corrupted, our corrupted heart, corrupted mind, our corrupted life. We break that for the sake of Christ and we turn from doing habits one way and do them another way. This is the fruit of salvation, a repentance that is the fruit of of salvation. In other words, once I'm born again, I'm empowered to do that. But what we have done in the body of Christ is we've tried to apply that repentance to the person before they're born again. They're not even empowered to do that. And so then we, we require somebody to get born again to find that place of brokenness when they don't even have love yet. How can they move to that place of brokenness without having love? This is what comes as a fruit of that salvation. So understanding those two different types of repentance, all of a sudden, because I guarantee you, you can go and find a Christian. This would not be hard at all. Go find a Christian that says that repentance is an absolute, you have to have it to get born again. But is that true? So y'all don't even want to answer me. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's not true if you look at it as repentance, as brokenness. That's not what, what has to happen to get born again. I confess Jesus as Lord and I believe that God brought him back to life. There's no repentance in that. Except that I repent, I change, I turn, and I start saying, you know, the way I was thinking and acting was wrong, let me change my mind and accept Jesus and his way as the way. So repentance in my thinking is a necessary. In other words, I'm not born again before that. I've got to have a change in my thinking to confess him and believe on him. But it's not a repentance of brokenness. And so we use that word and throw it around, but the truth of the matter is we don't really understand what we're saying. And when you try to apply a brokenness and a living out the fruit of salvation on somebody before they even know Christ, they have no capability to do that. And so what we're doing, what are we doing? We're putting them under the law, which will never work. And this is why when we've tried to uh, witness this way, it doesn't function and it doesn't work. The Lord says, and now think about this, it's the goodness of God that leads men to 
repentance. In other words, when we tell them about what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, that the, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation and he's not holding our trespasses and our sins against the world, not just Christians, but the world, that is good news. And he wants to bless you like Galatians 3, 8, where he preached the gospel, the good news ahead of time, that through you all the nations will be blessed. He's not holding your stuff against you and he wants to bless you. That is good good news that will cause somebody's path to change wait a minute if that's true i can accept christ and then once they accept christ they receive the goodness of god now they have the love of god now that goodness can produce the repentance that breaks the corrupted flesh and moves them to that place of a humble heart and brokenness and they can live that out do you see that is that clear all right Never heard that preached like that, so that's good. Thank you, Lord. Now, the other thing here is he talked about Calvinism and losing salvation and Armenian theology, and I'll just read these two uh, different uh, paragraphs. Calvinism, which, and, and let me just say this. You're, you're probably, what I'm going to explain to you is really uh, a mix of the two of them. I would say how he describes them right here. I believe both of them have right points and I believe both of them have wrong points and what actually the truth is in the middle of both of them. But you would probably have somebody that says that they're a Calvinist that would say, man, you're right. I believe that way too. You'd probably also have somebody that says they're a Calvinist that would say, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> you know. So in other words, a lot of times people will accept titles on them. I just want to go by the word. You know, and the truth is, scholars argue about this stuff. So don't get in, try and get into an argument with people over this stuff. They've been arguing this for centuries. All right, so let me read this. Calvinism, which professes eternal security, teaches that genuine believers may stumble or fall, but they will nevertheless persevere in the Christian faith. Those who believe in eternal security believe also that true Christians have experienced a death to sin and will not continue in it. Those who would later turn completely away from Christ show that they were never truly born again. That's what, in other words, if they actually fell away from Christ, they never were there in the first place, right? But the word says that the believers can fall away. And it shows us that. So that right there, I would say that portion of theirs is, is pretty wrong. Okay, Now, Armenian theology, now, and this is Don Crow explaining it in his way. And you may have a Calvinist stand up and say, that's not how I believe. And like I said, there, there's facets to everything people believe. Armenian theology teaches that genuine believers can fall away from the Christian faith. They generally believe and teach that those who do fall away lose or forfeit their salvation. Their system makes no room for so-called Christian, those by name only, to live in continuous rebellion or deliberate sin with no fruit that proves their repentance. In other words, if you, if you saw a Christian and they just continued for a while and there was no change of heart, there was no fruit, uh, they're gone. That's it. Game over. Sorry. You know, and it, that's kind of rough. All right. And so now let me, 
Let me give you an example. Uh, John, come on up here, please. All right. So let's let's do it this way. Okay. So let me show you an example of this. Now, let's say that John represents Jesus and over here is God. Okay? Now when I get born again, if I'm if I am unsaved, I am not covered by the righteousness of Christ. But now both Arminian and Calvinism, according to these definitions, show that I can be. And so when I get covered by Christ, I step here and I'm covered uh, from that holy judgment of God because I had a substitute. And so here, here's what uh, basically uh, the Calvinists say, okay, is that if I ever get out here again and I'm operating moving in sin and I wasn't and I fall away I didn't actually fall away the truth is I actually was never here never covered by Christ at all okay the other one says that if I did get born again I can forfeit that and if I get out here covered by the sin you know I mean you know now not covered by Christ and I am in sin and you constantly see no fruit it means I've forfeited it there's no more sacrifice for sins and I'm done for the problem is one almost has uh, uh, too much mercy in a sense and one has too little and it's really a balance of the two. Let me show it to you like this. When I get born again, this is the way that I believe Scripture will start to line up and show you, okay? So, number one is, I come into the saving knowledge of God, right? Now, Scripture says that I can fall away, and now I'm covered by the sins of Christ. And when God, in his holy uh, judgment, looks at me, and it's right for him to judge what's right or wrong. And let me just give you this. You try to come into the presence of God without being covered by Christ. You're bringing in something that is impure. It's kind of like when you're refining gold. What happens when you uh, bring unpure gold into a, a process like that, it gets burnt up. You know, in the refining process, it separates. It's, it's burnt up. You can't bring corruption into a holy fire, and our God is a consuming fire. And it's not his fault that he's holy and consuming necessarily. In other words, it's, you know, it's like, hey, you're going to tell me that he needs to come down to our level? I'm sorry. You, you, yeah, no. That's not how it works. He's the creator. He's the one who's holy and righteous. He don't need to come down to our level of corruption so that we can meet him. We need to come up to his. And he provided a way to do that in Christ. So when we're born again, we come in and we are now covered by Christ. Now here's the thing, um, is that if I mess up, can I, let, let's go to this losing the salvation first. Can I step out from Christ again, or can I reject that? Well, the Word tells us that I can. Now, I, I would tell you, and, and we're not going to take the full time, but I would say that to get to the place where I reject, but once I step out from Christ, that is it. But it's a decision, all right? It's got to be some confession and belief with your heart. It's got to be serious. But to get to that place where you reject and renounce Christ, which is what that is, in your right mind, man, it takes, it takes a process. 
You can do it. People will do it. I guarantee you they have done it. But it, I mean, it's a step. And it's not just something that happens because you had a bad night. This is a whole life change and a process where your whole way of thinking is totally different. And you step out and reject Christ and there is now, therefore, no more sacrifice for your sins. All right, It's not a good place to be. But how do I get there? So let's say I'm born again and now here's the thing. This is one sacrifice for all times. Immediately, once I come under, under Christ, some people say that I can step in and out behind Christ. In other words, the Calvinism would basically say this, that I can step, step out and now I'm in sin and now I, now I got a problem and I need, to get back, I need to get back in. Because I never really lose it, but it's up to me. Okay, But that's not really what you're doing. You got to understand there's one sacrifice for all time. And as soon as I come under Christ... I can be doing right back here. I can be going with Christ or I can be going away from Christ. But what's important is I'm still right here and everything I'm doing is covered by his sacrifice, good or bad. Good or bad. It's covered. Now that scares religious folks. Why? Because they don't want to tell their congregation that they're covered when they do good or bad. But it's the truth and it lines up with scripture. He says all things are lawful but not all things are profitable. And that's the difference right there. We've got to understand that it is covered but it can take me to a place. If I'm back here messing around going away from God, I can eventually get to a place where I I get so deceived and I don't focus on loving on God. I can get to a place where I step out from Christ. And at that point it's over. So, but what's happening is when I get back here, I've got to say, man, I've got to let repentance have its work. See, here's the thing, though. Now, watch this. If I get back here, it says faith without works is dead. So how do I enter into this with Christ covering me? By faith. Faith without works is dead. So if I get back here behind Christ or under the covering of Christ... And I always have works that basically show no repentance. Then I got to ask myself the question, was I actually born again? Because if all my actions constantly go rebellious, 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 then the truth is I probably wasn't born again. But if I get back here... And then I start doing what's right, and I repent and repent, and, and, and I start changing things in my life. Well, do you think that the devil's going to leave you alone back, you know, under the covering of Christ? Well, if that was the case, then you would never have any problems, would you? The devil's not going to leave you alone. You're living in his world. But here's the thing. You already have them beat. You already have the victory. Just most people don't know about it, and they don't know what to do about it. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But the devil's not going to quit just because you're covered by Christ. So he starts pulling on your flesh. He starts talking to your flesh. And guess what? Everybody I know, I mean, y'all may have some friends, and it may be you, but everybody I know, they have missed it at some point after they've been born again. 
And so what happened? Does that, it's like all of a sudden they fall for a trap. The devil, the devil, I mean, think about, just think about the mercy of God. The devil's been here for 6,000 years watching people, learning them, pulling stuff on them. And you're going to tell me that God's going to hold you accountable for your 30 or 40 years worth of knowledge against his 6,000 and not have any mercy on you? Is that really the God that you know? See, right there, that blows that all apart, just by knowing the mercy of God. Amen? But So all of a sudden, you're telling me that as soon as I fall for one of his traps, I'm out here, I'm exposed now, that I'm gone. There's no more sacrifice for me. No, that's not how it works. And what happens is I'm still covered. The devil just makes me feel like I'm not covered, and I'll believe that I'm not covered. I'll take on condemnation, and now the devil can do what he wants to do, and he can harass me and and hurt me and cause me to be sick and stuff like that. But if I'll understand that I am under the covering of Jesus, I can receive all the healing. I'm under his love. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, whether I missed it or not. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and I'm going to have times where I'm going with him I'm going to have times where I'm going back but if I love him through the law of love I'm going to want to start changing that repenting getting this stuff right so if I am truly born again and I truly have my salvation I should feel and sense a desire and there should be corresponding action that says I want to go with Christ in other words and and now listen it's not just I want to it's I actually take some steps to do that and I'm not doing it because I shouldn't be doing it because I'm under his covering or out from his covering and it's better in one place. I should do it because he loved me, therefore I love him. Yeah. I'm doing this for him. Lord, I love you. And so what happens is you have two different scenarios. You've got, or several different, you've got somebody who thinks they're born again, they're never born again, and constantly their, their life is walking away from God. And, what, and in other words, there's no repentance, there's no action, there's no works to what they said their faith was. Well, that no, no fruit of their salvation proves that they weren't born again in the first place. There never was any repentance that happened after that they decided to choose Christ, but they didn't really believe in their heart. And so now they have no fruit. Well, they need to go out and work out their salvation with fear and trembling, with great, great reverence, and say, am I really born again? Maybe I need to get to the place where I actually receive him. So we should be able to look at our lives and say, there's fruit. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't consider themselves a good well I'm a good person well whoop-de-doo so everybody thinks that everybody thinks that the result is do you have any fruit then you have the other person who is actually born again they get born again they're covered by Christ and all of a sudden they have a heart's desire the fruit is in their heart in their spirit man to change to repent but they still have so many worldly ways that they, they get tripped up by the devil. 
He tells them that there's no covering, that they're out from the covering, but they really are the whole time. If they get and learn that, if they get in a church that teaches their position and their authority in Christ and who they are, who I am in Christ, then they'll start to realize that and the devil won't eat their lunch as much. But what happens is they get tripped up by the devil and, and, and they can go back and then they'll, they'll turn it around. They'll come to the place of conviction, let conviction have its work. And then they'll, they'll, you know, take one step forward, maybe two steps back, maybe three steps forward, then one step back. But they're, they're constantly going back and forth. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. That life stinks. You don't want that. It, it really, it, that's lukewarm. You want to make a decision. Okay, but here's the thing. Let's say that that person constantly, now all of a sudden, he decides in his heart and in his mind that he wants to do what he wants to do or she wants to do what she wants to do. And so they accept the deception without repentance, right? And they finally get to a place where they're so deceived that they make the decision to step out from the covering of Christ themselves that's the person that there's no more sacrifice for next person same same deal they come under the covenant of christ they don't know who they are and everything they're tripped up by the devil they're going forward they're going back they're actually born again the last person and this one they're both born again but it, it, and then but their whole life is back and forth and, and sometimes they're going towards God, sometimes they're not, and it's just lukewarm. They don't produce anything. They're born again, but there's no real rewards in heaven and no real rewards in their life. They're just in that, that really yucky place. But they never rejected Christ. They never stepped out from him. They're going to heaven. They just could have done more. They buried talents, you see. Now we have this person. Here's person uh, number four. They get born again, and they get tripped up by the devil and everything. But they, and I mean, sometimes they can fall way back. I had moments like that in my life, right? I, and, and they fall way back from Christ. But inside of them, they keep giving themselves to repentance. And eventually... As they go all in with Christ, they start walking with him, and they never turn back. And see, this is the people that the church has not had mercy on, is these people going back and forth. And man, we've got to have mercy on those people, because God, what does God want for them? God wants them to go forward. We've got to have mercy on them. Even the one uh, that never actually got born again, we've got to have mercy on them and see them as God sees them. The righteousness of God in Christ, not holding, this stuff, holding that uh, trespasses against them. We've got to see them like that. But there's hope for that person. They can be way back from Christ, still, still born again. Then one day it clicks. This life, Lord, you, you finally, I repented in my thinking and I recognized that this life should be a living sacrifice for you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, everything changes. They become hot for God, not cold, not lukewarm. And they go after... And, and it doesn't mean that they have a perfect trip after that, but it means that it gets a lot simpler, so much easier. That's why we got to get to the place where we do that. And then you have the fifth person. 
they get born again. And so at any point, and this will be not just somebody who gets born again and always does it right, but they have the fruit of salvation where they have that after salvation brokenness, that repentance, they're given over to God, and they never turn back. And they just don't seem like they're stumbling that much. It doesn't seem like there's a bunch of back and forth because they're all in with God from the get-go. So here's the thing. You may not have been that person that never fell and never went back. But from this point today forward, you can be that person that decides, I'm all in. Now look, I'm covered. Whether I do wrong or right, I'm covered. If I'm born again, I'm covered in my trespasses, in my sins. I'm covered by Christ. A sacrifice once for all time. That's God loving on me. Here's my love on him. Let me do what he's asked me to do. If you love me, keep my commandments. Let me go all in. And all of a sudden, we become the kind of body that gets up and supports the mission of God and lifts up his mission instead of one that's always pulling backwards on them. Okay? That's where we need to be. Now, can you see the two different sides of that and how, how actually both of theirs, the Armenian and Calvinism, can, can have right points and wrong points? But we've got to understand that relationship, and all of that's backed up in Scripture. All of it shows, and you can see it. You can see it in Paul. You can, you can see it over in Thessalonians in the different parts of the body where you have different things coming up into the soul, into the mind. Uh, you know, and you see these different parts. And you've just got to understand that God is a merciful God. Man, he loves you and he's so merciful. And we still didn't get to the questions today. Can I ask a question? Yeah, I have a Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So, in Revelation 3.16, it talks about being lukewarm and... You're either hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, you're spit out. Yeah. And in the example that you just gave, if you're lukewarm, yeah. you still go to heaven. Can you clarify that, please? Probably not in the time we have left. <laughs> Probably not. Well, you have to understand the mercy of God. In other words, if somebody is constant, what I'm in clarifying if somebody is constantly lukewarm and they're not really given to Christ, the question becomes, you know, were they here in the first place? Because even this person, there's people that are not born again that still want to be good, and they think they're going to heaven because they were good. And so what they were was they were lukewarm. They weren't anti-God but the, or an, and even anti-love, anti-good. They were lukewarm. And so the truth is, they get there thinking that their good works is what did it, and they were never they never had faith in the first place. Does that kind of explain that a little bit? So when I what I'm saying is, when you do have a believer that's born again, and I, see, I believe what he's talking about there is somebody that's not even born again. Hot is born again. See, what does God see on that person? Remember, I'm covered by God. What God sees on me. He sees the righteousness of Christ. So as long as I'm born again, I can be back here and having struggled in my life and trying to work some stuff out, but I'm still covered by Christ. Out here, it, you can see whether I'm hot or cold or lukewarm. Does that make that help? Amen. So, 
On? There you there, go. Yeah. So my question is for all of us who not only have our own struggle, but we are around other people who are also struggling. Right. So I think sometimes there are people in our lives that we see are falling away or have turned away. And I think I know what the answer is, but what do you do in those situations where you want it so badly for them, but they're just not there yet? They're just not seeing it. You want it for them. You know you're not their source. God's their yep. source. So is it just faith and patience and prayer and breaking whatever attack is preventing them from getting to where they need to be? Because it's hard to see somebody out there. Yeah. Well, you have to watch. Um, John, come back up here, please. So he was Jesus a second ago. Now he's going to be the backslider. All right. So, man, what a difference five minutes makes. All right. So, so let's say we're walking. Or, or come over here. Come over here. Let's say we're walking towards Jesus together. Okay. And then he pauses, but I still make good choices for God. Well, you have to watch this. This is the first thing. You have to watch is you look at them and say, I made the right choice. Why didn't you make the right choice? Because instantly that puts us under the law and in judgment and actually condemnation. And we're not, we're not correcting for the right reasons. So even if we're trying not to correct for those reasons, we, it might be at the base of, you know, kind of the core of what we're thinking and what we are. And so what we say and do might not be love. You have to watch that because that's a trap. That's the first thing. But the second thing is this. While we all, this, and this is proper, uh, Chris, uh, will you stand up and turn that way? All right. Now, we're walking along. He pauses. I keep going. He's Jesus. Chris is Jesus. So, see, I can look back and ask him why he didn't make that. But what I have to remember is Jesus could also look back at me and say, why aren't you up here? See, and that's the part we forget. <laughs> so, and, but he doesn't do that. So the answer to your question is, what does, because this is what most people don't do, is they don't look back at themselves as well, and they constantly, their focus, so all of a sudden, instead of their focus being on Jesus, their focus is on their own person. Yep. And so what happens is, that gets them off, and turns them around. How does God treat me? The one who also misses it. The one who also gets it wrong sometimes. How does he treat me? He just keeps doing what's right. He focuses on his father, the heart of his father. Only does what he sees his father do. Only says what he hears his father. You know, and he trusts the father. And he trusts the mercy and the love of the father. And I'm to do the same thing. I'm to act and imitate Christ. To keep going. To keep doing what's right. I can pray for this person. And I should out of the love. Because what is Jesus doing? He's interceding for all of us at the father. And so a lot of times what we're doing by focusing on that person who's backsliding is. We're trying to step in the way of them and Jesus be like, I'm going to help you, okay? I'm going to get this fixed, right? And we are stepping in the way. And what we need to do is just keep doing what's right. Prove, be a living sacrifice and prove that. Good question. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Anything else? No, good. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you, Father. We praise you. 
And we just thank you for opening up your word to us. Thank you for bringing wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just ask that your righteousness would just empower us to be who you've called us to be. And Lord, that your love would just manifest in us. And Lord, let us return that love to you in every way. And we just praise you for it and thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a good one. Thank you for joining us.